Welcome to the Yogi MD podcast. It's Nadine, yoga teacher, health coach, and retired doctor, here to bring you and your body together, not in sickness, but in health. Thanks for taking this time for yourself. Hello, ladies. Today, this episode is for you. You will not want to miss listening to this one. My guest today is Letitia Action Jackson. She's been described as dynamic, energetic, and transparent. She is a USAF veteran, fitness Olympian, 2019 Exceptional Woman of Color honoree, survivor of domestic violence, globally recognized health and personal development expert, author, dynamic speaker, creator of Healthy Balanced You Wellness Program, and CEO of N-Powered Coaching Academy. Why does she do the work that she does? You can't touch people in ways that you've never been touched. So how do I go out and tell other women, hey, I know what it's like not to love yourself, or hey, I know what it's like to go through verbal and physical abuse if I had not gone there. You know, you can earn degrees, accolades, but at the end of the day, are you truly eliciting positive changes in people's lives? And if the answer is no, then you're not really doing what you were created to do. Who's it for? I think one of the reasons why we are not holistically well, because we have never really been taught to cultivate who you want to become from the inside, and then from there, create a path of purpose. We're so... I think we're just taught culturally how it looks on the outside is what really matters. So why are we investing in things that is not contributing to our physical health? It's it's an appearance. It's a, a facade that we must upkeep. We're strong. We're Black women. We're proud. Ready to learn more? Let's dive in. I think we're just going to have a marvelous talk. Our values are aligned. We're both so passionate about helping women and Letitia, at Miss Action, you have a most impressive background, which we'll get to a little bit later. (laughs) I really want to dive in and say thank you so much for being here, first of all. Absolutely, absolutely. And I'm excited to be here. There's nothing better than to be able to utilize these years of experience, passion, expertise, and make sure what I'm passionate about is translated into information that can really help improve women's health. That is the perfect platform for jumping off to talk about your who. You are so passionate about the women that you help, specifically African-American women. Can you please tell us about your who? Yeah, I will have to tell you, I have been in this space, gosh, I'm 42, and I started when I was 19 years old. So you can imagine from 19 to 42, um, I like to tell people I've, I've looked through the lens of, of, of wellness and health and disease prevention. And through each one of those uh, windows, I was able to see something different. When I was in my, 19, my teens, my 20s, I was really passionate about uh, training athletes. As a professional athlete, I loved movement. I loved the dynamics of the body. But then as I got older and I would have different people from different demographics approach me I realized that being healthy was much more than just getting fit. And so once I got into my 30s, I started to find that I wanted to know not just why were people unhealthy, 
But what were some of those determining factors and systems and mindsets and cultures that really contributed to poor health? And that drew me to African-American women's health. Um, As an African-American woman, I would be in so many different spaces, whether I was speaking at the American Heart Association or the American Cancer Society. And one of the things that I noticed was that there was very little cultural relevance. And so I would sit in the audience and I would hear the data or I'd be on a panel and I'd typically be the only African-American woman, but others were speaking to the health of black women. And I'm like, that sounds good from a data standpoint, but the African-American woman's experience with health and wellness is totally different. And so I wanted to dive deeper and understand why is heart disease killing us? Why is obesity killing us? Why is diabetes? So right now where you find me, I am totally engrossed in in learning more as a black woman, even about my own health and my own risk, so I can go back out and educate more of our women. That's so astute. How did you decide then to champion the cause? I will tell you as an Olympian, as a professional athlete, I think for a very long time in my own personal growth process, I was very, when I was raised, I was taught people are people. But around late 20s, early 30s, when I was competing and I was in, (laughs) I was at the Olympia. I mean, I had reached heights of performance where most people will never go. I will look around and very seldom saw anyone that looks like me. And I would get into Oxygen Magazine, Muscle and Fitness Hers. I was everywhere. But then when I showed up, I didn't see anyone that looked like me. And so because I had the credibility, because I have an extensive educational background, I said to myself, I see the problem and I have part of the solution. So I started to look at books, health and wellness books. And when I would pick them up, they didn't speak to me. When I would see a cover of a fitness magazine and it was a a typical, um, beautiful Caucasian woman who the stereotypical body frame, I started to think about as a black woman, this body does not speak to me as a very, um, athletic woman, you know, African-Americans have a high density of fast twitch muscles. So we build a lot of muscle tissue quickly. I didn't even see a black woman that was muscular like me and it discouraged me. So instead of complaining about it and looking for it elsewhere, I created it. I've written 13 health and wellness uh, books, and I wanted to speak in a tone to that Black woman to say, hey, girl, you know, society will tell you we went through this big Black beautiful movement where love yourself as you are. Yes. However, comma, do you know that heart disease is killing you? Do you know that obesity is killing you? Do you know that some forms of cancer is killing you. I felt that the black woman was not being informed. She was not being educated and she did not have wellness resources that spoke to her. My audience can't see you, but they'll see you in the show notes. And they'll of course learn about you on the website. You're in magnificent physical form (laughs) and not all of us can aspire to do so. So what would you say to someone, to a woman who thinks, well, I can't look like that. 
Right. I would first tell her to decode that narrative. I believe that that's why so many women just in general, whether it's a black woman, a white woman, society and culture has always idealized what a woman should look like. And what I tell my clients and what I share when I speak, you define what being well means to you. The goal of this journey is not to replicate someone else's process. So for the women listening now, for them, it may be, I work out five, six days a week, but for them, it may be getting 30 minutes in, starting off two days a week. Start where you're at and clearly define what you want to feel like, what you want to look like for yourself, not in comparison to anyone else. What would you say to someone who has a hard time evening, even imagining what that means, what that's like? What if a woman, and I'll share this with you. I had this conversation with a couple of my wise women recently, and the both of them said to me, no one has ever framed love yourself for me when I was growing up. I didn't grow up thinking that way. My culture was not that way. So I don't even know what that means to love myself and to think about what I need. That's so interesting. Last week, I actually did a a quick segment on Facebook Live for the new program, Changing the Norm. And the title of my presentation was Decoding the Strong Black Woman Syndrome. And what many of us as African-American women have to realize is that we have inherited the concept of taking care of everyone else. Our grandmothers did it. Our grandmothers, um, you know, depending on the age of the woman listening, she may have been through um, things that many of us, I'm only 42, may not have gone through. However, what I'm getting at is that when we don't know how to love ourselves, there's a few things. One, it has been articulated, whether overtly or subliminally, that as Black women, we don't count. Um, From a cultural standpoint, even in the church, Black women carry so many things we we carry our children, we carry our families, we carry our communities, but no one ever really stops and says, hey, do you know how to take care of yourself? They'll plug in, hey, self-care is important, but they never really frame what is the definition of self-care, how does one arrive at that position, and also how does one undo and unlearn social and cultural norms that basically tell you you are not worth being well. It is multi-layered. However, it starts with having a desire to do different. Having a desire to say, I'm tired of feeling exhausted. I'm tired of not being appreciated. And and it comes with the self-awareness of I deserve better. Even if she doesn't know how to start self-care, her acknowledgement and awareness that she deserves better is a best place to start. And I would also add to that, it's more than a stereotypical, not that this is not important. It would be a nice part of self-care. I'm not saying that, but Mm -hmm. it's more than go take a bubble bath, go light a candle. Yes. It's so much deeper than that. And that's what I really hear in what you're saying. Yes. I will tell you one of the best places to start for us as black women is identifying how do we arrive at where we're at? You know, I often sit and I hear all the statistics about heart disease, diabetes, obesity, and I'm like, great, that sounds great. We need it for programming. But no one's asking that black woman, how did you arrive at where you're at? 
How did you arrive maybe 100 or 200 pounds overweight? How did you arrive mentally fatigued? How did you arrive emotionally damaged? How did you arrive with so much trauma? No one's given that Black woman time to ask her that question. How did you get here? She hasn't had a moment to pause to even think about how she got there. We're just taught, pray about it and keep moving. And she keeps moving and keeps moving and keeps moving. She starts to normalize chaos. And we have to stop that. The other thing, too, is the external, I think, can become a distraction from doing the deep work that you're talking about and trying to understand particular patterns or particular behaviors that may not be the healthiest. And it becomes maybe comforting and something that's easy to control when it can be about this particular dress size, this particular new diet, this particular new bag, this purse, this whatever. What do you say to that? Yeah, I, I call that deflection. And I'm going to tell you, as a survivor of domestic violence, one of the hardest things for me to do was to truly sit in my pain. There was a period of time after my um, abuse where if I got into the car or I was around people, I had to always talk. I always had Mm. to have music on. I always needed noise because the noise drowned out the pain, the anxiety, the depression, the suicidal thoughts, the years of rejection from a father, I was not ready to deal with the pain, so I deflected the pain. And I'm going to tell you, nine months after I left my ex-husband, I found myself in the same pattern of relationship with a different name, a different man and a different name, but the same behaviors. I didn't do the internal work. We attract to us the things that are inside of us. And so when that pain of rejection comes up, a lot of times Black women use eating Because for that moment of that pain, I can go and and, and binge and suppress that feeling. In that moment of pain, I can go and and involve myself in maybe sexual activity or shopping or whatever it is that deflects. The reality is we have to deal with the pain from the inside. And once you start dealing with the pain from the inside, it's so many layers at times that it could be overwhelming. And because of that, it's easier to stop. And I tell the women, you know, throw the pain up, sit with it. It's going to stink. And it may be at times so overwhelming, but once you throw it up and you confess it, you can start confronting it. And then you can look at yourself and say, girl, why don't you love yourself? And then you can sit back with that pain and say, well, I was molested or, well, I was rejected or I never knew my father. Every black woman has her own story but her story needs to come out and it needs to come up so she can start that healing process. That's really self-care. Everything that I've listened to you talk about and everything that I've read about you and seen about you reflects a deep well of experience and learned wisdom. Can you tell us about your story? Oh, wow. That is so layered. Um, I kind of dived into it a few minutes ago. When I was 29 years old, I found myself in a closet with hands wrapped around my neck. Um, my very breath that God had given me had been was being in the process of being taken away. I was in a very abusive marriage. 
But what's so interesting about the marriage is going back to what I stated before. What's interesting about it is how I got there. When I was probably around 13, 14, my parents divorced. And when you're that young, you don't have the cognitive ability to differentiate my father left because it was their issues, not mine. As a young 13-year-old girl, the only thing I knew was if I were good enough, he would have stayed. If I were loved, he would have been a part of my life. And from probably 13 all the way up into my 30s, I was on this vicious cycle of trying to prove that I was lovable through my works. I was codependent. I had anxiety. I had fear. Anything that you can think of from a 13-year-old to a 30-year-old girl, I had it. And so when I finally got into relationships, I was very clingy. I needed to be loved so badly. Any love was better than no love at all. And so instead of me dealing with those issues of the rejection and not understanding why my father left, I internalized that stuff for a long time. And so what I learned was after I left my ex-husband, I realized either I was going to kill myself or somebody else was going to kill me. Mm. And I had to stop. I committed to not dating anyone. And I went before God and I said, I'm broken. Despite having numerous degrees, despite being an Olympian, being featured in magazines everywhere in the world, I knew on the inside of who I thought I was was a broken 13-year-old scared girl. And so I just went through the process of allowing God to show me not who I thought I was, but to show me who I really was. And I was fearful. And I was tired of living in anxiety. I was tired of, you know, going on stage and performing in front of hundreds and thousands of people, but walking off and feeling as if I need the next experience again to make me feel good again. It's almost like a drug addict. Mm. They, they, they get high for the first time and it's the highest they will ever get. Therefore, they always have to go back to get that fixed. That's, I was a drug addict of approval. I was a drug addict of, of validation. I was so lost. And so when I speak to women and I speak to girls, I speak to them from a place of authenticity and rawness and transparency. Don't get caught up because I have a fit body. I'm very fit. I'm a very beautiful woman. However, now at 42, who I am on the inside matches who I am on the outside. I'm strong. I'm powerful. Um, I'm resilient. But it had nothing to do with my body. It had everything to do with the internal work that I chose to do. And so when you say you're strong, you're saying you're strong both internally and externally. Yes. Yes. I am spiritually strong. I am emotionally strong. I am mentally strong. Um, I, I had to work on becoming holistically well in my twenties, because I was an athlete. I used to pray and ask God, God, will you allow my body? I mean, my mind and my heart and my spirit to be just as strong as my body. And I knew if that was going to happen, I had to utilize all of those negative experiences and build resilience. So I would become strong internally. And then I could transfer that externally to other people. How do you do the work to provide hope for your clients, for the women that you work with to be able to, yeah, to be able to internalize that strength, to believe that she can be just as strong. Right. I I first start by telling them my strength is not for comparison. My strength is my story. I feel that so many women in our society 
are taught to replicate someone else's journey. And what I help her do is to outline and identify her own journey. Her journey is not mine. And, and the beautiful thing about that kind of work is that I give her the shovel and I say to her, I'm going to help you dig. Mm. And, it, <laughs> and I, I will have to be honest with you. So many of the women that work with me when they first come to me, they're like, girl, uh-uh, I ain't going there. I'm like, okay, well, it's your choice. We look at chronic diseases and you coming from a medical background know this. If we don't identify the root of the disease, the disease continues. Now we can put our patients on medication, uh, <laughs> fill them with a bunch of side effects, but then we say, wait a minute, what's causing the diabetes? Wait a minute, what's the root of the heart disease? And then when we address that root, then we can prevent it from happening. When my clients come to me and they're like, girl, I'm just overweight. I don't really care about the weight. Why are you overweight? Why does you eat too much? But why do you eat too much? And they kind of look at me like, because I'm hungry. But why are you overeating? Hmm. What is it that you're trying to fulfill with the food that you really don't want to deal with? Do you think you can be healthy at any size? <sighs> Gosh. Nadine, Nadine, no, no, I, I don't believe. And that's where the contradiction I feel that why I started to do the work for black women. Science is science. And a lot of people say to me, well, action as fit as you are, you can have a heart attack. Or we've heard of people going to run that were marathoners and they died. The reality is a marathoner who exercises five days a week and is physically active, there's a less chance that you're going to have a marathoner die than someone that has a body mass index of 30 or 40. And so I don't believe this, this narrative that we're feeding black women, you can be healthy at any size. The higher the BMI, you and I both know, there's a correlation of many chronic diseases. What I can say is that if you are doing the lifestyle behaviors that are contributing to healthy living, if your body is naturally maybe a size 18 or 20, but you are exercising on a regular basis, you're controlling your stress levels, you're getting good sleep, um, you're eating healthy, then if you are genetically a size 18 or 20, the size is irrelevant. But for me to tell a woman, well, just get as big as you want, love your body, I think that contradicts everything about health. Everything is in context because you can have a so-called healthy BMI too, but be unhealthy. That's right. And I have a book called Good, uh, Goodbye Skinny, Hello Size Healthy. And I wrote Goodbye Skinny, Hello Size Healthy. Going back to societal norms, they often show a thin woman as the replica of health. Here's the reality. I'm a size six. That does not mean I'm healthy. I've met plenty of women who are smaller than me who smoke, who have a high HDL, I mean, H, uh, LDL or low density lipoproteins. They have hypertension. And then I've met women who are a size 18, have the best cardiovascular condition. Their numbers are perfect, but their numbers are perfect because they do the lifestyle behaviors that lead to good numbers. So the emphasis- It's a story. Yes, it's context and it's not relevant on size. I weigh 161 pounds. And when I ask women, how much do you think I weigh? They typically put me at 135. And I show, I share them, 
it's not about the number. It's about the composition of that number. Mm -hmm. 90% Mm -hmm. of my body, well, probably 85 because most of it's water and bone is dense muscle tissue. So I don't care if I weigh 200 pounds if majority of it was dense muscle tissue. Who cares? Yeah. So I I think where we have to change the conversation with our community of African-American women, and I I, I say this to every woman I work with, at the end of the day, the only relevance is to ask yourself, are you a size healthy? Meaning, are you getting your mammograms? Are you getting your pap smears? Um, Do you know the risk factors for heart disease? Do you know your family history of certain diseases that could affect you? Are you a size healthy? And so whether you're like me, a size six or anyone else, Every black woman must ask herself that. When was the last time you did a self-breast exam? When was the last time you saw your doctor? Like that's a size healthy. Doing the very things that we need to do. And I see things like waist trimmers and fasting, like these quick mm-hmm. type mm-hmm. of things that are non-sustainable. And it doesn't mean you're healthy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. It Going from work. one diet to another is not a sustainable lifestyle. It is not. And if you don't know the tools, that's why I love lecturing and I love teaching. When you teach our women the concepts of, I did a workshop called At the Heart of the Matter, and I was talking in one of the sections about the, the, the anatomy of the heart and, and teaching our women what our vessels and our, our arteries look like and how they become hardened with atherosclerosis from eating unhealthy foods, not exercising. And when they learn the anatomy of the heart and they could see how their vessels should be, it was like a light turned on. And I'm like, at every session, I would have them put their hand on their heart. And I'm like, close your eyes and just feel the rhythm of your Mm -hmm. heart. That is oxygen rich blood flowing to every organ in your body. When one of those pipes get clogged, that's a heart, that's stroke. And you could just see their face. It was relatable. It was, it was tangible. They could feel their heart. And so, you know, that's what I, I, I encourage people. If you're still alive and there's a breath in your body, God has you here for a reason. And in order for you to fulfill that reason, you must be healthy. So talk to me about what you do, programs that you offer. And I understand you have a very exciting program coming up here very shortly. Yes, I am so excited. So launching, um, we're launching officially in August. Our first six-week online class will be August 16th. I created an online wellness program just for African-American women called Changing the Norm. And I got this name. I was sitting somewhere in the South about four years ago, and I noticed the large bodies of our women continue to become larger and larger. And what was so disheartening about that, it became a norm. No one looked at it as if it was something that we should not be in that state of. And I was like, it's time to change the norm. And so changing the norm is a culturally relevant six-week online program where one topic per week we cover. We start off talking about mental health. How do we as Black women become mentally well? As you know, there's still a stigma on that, right? Yes. And so, and then the week thereafter, we talk about emotional well-being. We talk about physical wellness, nutritional wellness. This program touches every aspect of that Black woman in her language, in her struggles, in her barriers from a holistic standpoint. And then we have a community of other women 
where we go and every week we have a conversation starter. You know, what does mental wellness mean to you? And the beautiful thing about asking what does something mean to that individual woman, she can tell you what's important to her. And so, yeah, changing the norm is, it's, that's exactly what we're going to do. You know, there's no reason why Black women should be dying of heart disease, diabetes, and other chronic preventable diseases. We are going to change the norm with this program. So it sounds like with your program, you're also offering education and empowerment to African-American women so that they do know what to go ask their doctors and yes. when to go to the doctor and what, what they should be insisting upon. Yes. And what we're going to do too, I'm partnering with other providers like therapists. Um, so when we talk about stress and triggers, not only are we talking about them, but they will have a resource list to say, Hey, this week was really good for helping me identify where my stress triggers are coming from, but they also have a, a relevant person where they can go to and say, Hey, I think I need help. Also, when I think about, um, cervical cancer, I was doing a lot of studying on that yesterday. You never hear anyone talking about cervical cancer for black women. And so even with mammograms and mammography, every week we are going to bring this stuff up. This is not waiting till October. We are going to talk about things that are relevant. And, and how do I, how do I do a self breast exam? Right? We don't know how. So we don't know how and how often. How do we get early detection? So this program is about awareness, education, empowerment, and support. So can you tell us the name of your website? Yes, it is Empowered, and that's the letter N P O W E R E D dot com. And so if they go to empoweredcoaching.com, then they can actually type in the letter, um, go to our individual services, scroll down and you'll see changing the norm. So once again, that's empoweredcoaching.com. And we'll have a link to it as well, where they can go directly to the program. Absolutely. And I will provide all of this information in the show notes too. It has been a pleasure, a real pleasure getting talk to talk to you and to learn from you today. What is your personal definition of what it means to be healthy? Oh, I love that question. As I, this is my personal definition at 42. And what I have learned is that I get the opportunity to change that meaning as I choose to. And so for me at 42, being healthy means allowing God to continuously heal me. Um, I still have some traumas that God is allowing me to, to process through with therapy. And I'm so excited to say that. Um, for me, healthy is setting clear and undestructible boundaries, being clear about what I will and what I will not accept, but not only being clear about them, reinforcing those people and those actions, if they break my boundaries, these are the consequences thereof. Um, healthy right now means to me being a great wife. I just got married three months ago. Congratulations. So, yay, thank you. <laughs> um, and healthy right now means to me sitting in the morning and looking at myself and telling myself, girl, you are beautiful. You are smart. You are unstoppable. Now, if you ask me this next year, Ms. Nadine, it may <laughs> totally be different. <laughs> but for right now, where I am today, that's what healthy means to me. 
It has been an incredible honor to get to talk to you today. Thank you for Thank being you my for guest. Having me. Thank you. And, and all the women that are listening to this, um, no matter where you find yourself today, if you don't remember anything else that I said, remember that you're valuable and you deserve to be well. And now it's time for the Mindful Minute. Here's a quote from one of our ultimate wise women, Maya Angelou. Do the best you can until you know better. Then when you know better, do better. Thanks for being here. See you next time. Yoga has had such a profound impact on my life. It's almost hard to describe. I would say in every conceivable way. I've connected to my mind and through my mind, my body. It's truly something that I can't live without at this point. I've had yoga before Nadine, but through Nadine, I've decided that it's um, something I need to do for a lifetime, for my lifetime. To learn more and to practice with me, find me at yogimd.net.